0: I've had CEOs, more than one, um, that I've spoken to personally, that have come and said, you know, it all sounds good, but you have to realize in our world, we can't, we can't say all that. We're dealing with different public and different different interfaces, right? And, and as a business model, we can't be as perhaps as transparent as we would love to be for different reasons. And I think that's one thing, Gail, that I've never lost. One of our responsibilities, and one thing I take a responsibility at NASA, and as part of our Apollo Challenger Columbia Lessons Learned program, is you know through through our missteps and our mistakes, I hope to share that with them. So, in certain cases where folks can't stand up and say, you know what, here's how we failed or here's how we made mistakes, hopefully I can share what what NASA's done uh, and the missteps we've made, and through that they can say, you know what, that sounds like a mistake that we're about to make or we made, and they can kind of learn. And you know we can kind of bear the brunt on our shoulders, and they can learn through that and say, "Well, you know what? NASA said they made that mistake, you know, this, in this certain mission, and it sounds like we're what we're doing, we're working on that same path. So you know what? NASA made the change. So you know what? I want to institute that change using us as the example, and they don't have to put their neck on the line, if you will, or they can kind of use us as the the forward face, and I think that helps.
1: Welcome to CEO on the go welcome to this special episode to kickstart the new year. I'm so excited to start with such a strong episode. As you start the new year, it's a good time to reflect back on what you've learned in the past. And some of the greatest learnings actually come from failures. So I'm thrilled to share a conversation with my guest today who knows a lot about that topic. His name is Mike Chinilli. Mike is a program manager at NASA. He currently manages the Apollo Challenger Columbia Lessons Learned Program. Mike develops innovative activities to powerfully enshrine the lessons of failure to influence future success. Previously, Mike served as NASA test director for the Space Shuttle Program, leading the entire team through launch countdown activities and overseeing Space Shuttle orbiters and ground support systems. He's been with NASA for almost 18 years, and he's been featured in major media like the History Channel. He was featured on the Today Show fairly recently when a piece of the Challenger Space Shuttle was discovered at the bottom of the Atlantic off the Florida coast. Mike and I talk about learning from failures from a leadership perspective, and there are lots of leadership lessons to gain. Wouldn't you just love to know how NASA approaches failures, the process they go through, questions they ask when things go wrong? We covered some of that. And I think you'll especially enjoy Mike's insights on how to deal with the emotional impact of failure. You'll also learn what NASA does to capture stories. The stories I've seen are incredibly moving and inspiring. To learn more, you'll want to check out the new site that Mike mentions that's coming soon. So this episode is one you'll want to share with any leader who Wants to create a culture of continuous learning and growth. I'm proud to have NASA on my list of notable clients. I've done a significant amount of consulting, executive coaching, and training for them over the years. So, whatever new initiatives or projects you're launching in the new year, there will be many new lessons to learn based on failures and successes. I know you'll be inspired to capture key lessons with your team and apply your learnings to achieve your most critical missions this year. Enjoy my conversation with Mike Chanilli. Mike, welcome to CEO on the Go.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today.
1: Yeah, I'm so thrilled to have this episode to kickstart the new year because I think the theme is so perfect in terms of looking back, understanding lessons learned, and how we can apply those learnings to achieve success in the future. Um, and you have a fascinating background. Uh, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to interview someone with NASA, although I worked with them for many years as an outside consultant. So I would love to get your take on on some of the. The ideas that I have are questions that can help leaders really embrace failure and integrate learning more in their culture. So I guess I just wanted to to start there because you know when rockets fail, that's that's a very evident kind of failure. But in other organizations, there are failures that happen that people may not see or that may be hidden from leaders. So I was curious to know how you can how organizations can create cultures. Where learning from failure is valued and encouraged, and kind of what the role of the leader might be in that case.
0: Yeah, no, thank you, and thank you again for being here today. I'm really excited to chat with you and your audience. This is this is wonderful. This is great, um, and that's a great question because you know, as you as you well said, you know, our our failures may be a little more visible than others, right? But um, there's a lot of other ways that you can make missteps or fail, and they can be very costly. They can be costly for the mission success of the company or. In extreme cases of human life, so you know the, the consequences could be large, uh, and there's lots of different ways to look at those. And I think the you know the first theme up front is you know the vigilance, making a commitment to to really looking at what you're doing, um, keeping track of what's going on, making sure things aren't creeping into the system or the culture of the workplace um, that's setting you off in a different direction. Because those those changes, I would humbly suggest, can happen very slowly. And, and be kind of sneaky. Um, they can kind of get in there and you can find yourself off on a different track, um, intended or otherwise, and then you're down the path so far that um, it may be hard to reverse and avoid an accident or avoid a misstep that's going to be a costly mistake. So so that vigilance, that commitment and vigilance to, to looking at lessons learned, looking at your past, looking at the history, um, what went right, what went wrong. And really just bringing that focus again, because I know in our business, right, we're always looking to the next launch, the next mission, a lot of forward focus. And I know a lot of corporations are the same. And that's great and important, but also you have to, I think, be reflective and take that time. Uh, Why you're pushing so far forward, take that time to to look back and and focus a little bit uh, through the lens of history, if you will, at your past. Uh, Why were you successful? Um, or why weren't you so successful in certain endeavors and, and keep that in your thinking, uh, it can sneak out pretty quickly.
1: so when when leaders are thinking about these issues, is there something specific that you would recommend that they do or think about to to try to help perpetuate the idea of of looking at these lessons and and keeping that on the radar? what What specifically is their role, or what do you see at NASA that works so well in terms of the leadership?
0: Yeah, I, I think when it comes to the leadership part is is the old adage of you know walking the walk, Um, You know, there's a lot of things, you know, know, we have slogans, failure is not an option. And there's all kinds of of slogans, which are great, right, in themes. But I know a lot of the, you know, we all look to people who give us direction, leadership. And if we see the authenticity of their actions and their words and what they really employ, I think that really gets embedded in the culture. That sets the culture. Uh, If we have leadership that's saying certain things, which may sound great, which may sound like the right things. But if, if the actions and the culture of the organization that's built and, and perpetuated doesn't match, I think folks pick up on that pretty quickly, and they, and they see a disconnect. They see a lack of authenticity. Um, I can give you an example as, as well to that. In our case, um, many years ago, we were doing a shuttle launch, um, and we we're in launch countdown, and that's a pretty high-pressure situation, right? Um, a lot of things are happening pretty quickly, and late in countdown, and we were about about eight seconds to go, right? So we're pretty close to pushing the button, if you will, figuratively. But you know, launching the rocket, and we had one of the folks in the firing room, one of their engineers, call off, uh, do a call for a cutoff, which means stop immediately the countdown. And you know, you don't want to cut cut off. You want to abort the launch too quickly before launch. I mean, the closer you get to T zero, things are spinning up, things are happening. It gets more dangerous to shut things off. So it's a big thing to go do. Uh, In this case, this person saw something and called it. Well, you know, we we cut off the launch. The launch was scrubbed that day. Um, That's a a big deal, right? Uh, You're turning a launch around. And of course, the additional safety concerns for shutting the rocket down at that point. Well, you know, fast forward a little bit on data review, that was a bad piece of data, right? So the engineer that called gave a bad piece. It was a bad piece of data and he made the call. So, You can kind of take it from two different directions. Your cavalry's kind of like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, holding your breath, what's going to happen next to this team and this individual in particular that that scrubbed the launch for a no reason at all. It was a perfectly good vehicle. So everybody's kind of holding their breath and looking around and saying, Well, what's going to happen? Uh Uh-oh, hate to be in their shoes. And I think something wonderful happened. Instead of, you know, intensive grilling or intensive reviews or or flogging or whatever you want to call it, right? Those folks actually presented the launch award at the next launch. They were recognized and and awarded that they did what their training told them to do, even though it was bad data. They stood up, took action immediately, and would have stopped the launch that would have supported that. So, So that action taught every single person on the launch team that day, myself included, that, hey, our leadership is walking the walk. They said, you have authority to say go or no go. You can do this. And instead of when, it, when the rubber met the road and there could have been retribution or fear of making a mistake, it was instead met with, hey, we, we told you we're going to have your back. We told you if you bring these things to us, we got your back. And when it happened, they did. And that set the tone and the culture in the launch environment, uh, Gail, very strongly that, hey, I am now, the empowerment that I'm given is real. I believe management has my back, the CEO has my back, and the culture just became even better.
1: Oh, that's great. And it creates trust too. So that's that underpins everything. So I was curious. I'm sure there's a rigorous process that you go through when launches fail. Is there are, are there some highlights that you could share? I'm just curious to know what are the questions that you ask or what is the process like when you're really trying to understand what happened?
0: Yeah. You know, um, in different phases it it changes the cadence of the right. So, you know, when you have a significant accident or especially a loss of life. Um, you know, first you want to take care of the situation. You want to handle it. So your focus and your questions go into completely safing personnel, safing the system. So you kind of get through, you have to get through all of that to make sure everything's in a stable configuration, right? Because you got a lot of, you know, volatile <laughs> and high energy systems. So you kind of get through managing the problem first. And then when you really get truly to the phase of let's see what happened, why did this go bad? You know, There's different methods you employ. You can do a fault tree analysis. You can do all kinds of diagrams um, and to try to get through cause. So we, we try to understand the problem. And often that's through a technical means, right? What's the technical causes of the problem? But what I'd humbly suggest for, for folks also to think about is is making sure they don't miss what well, I call it the why. Why did it happen? You know, I, I can explain to you the technical cause of, say, a rocket issue or a lander on Mars or whatever the mission happened to be. Of why it happened. I mean, sorry, the what's and the where's and the when's, but I I truly, I truly believe we have to focus on the why as much, if not even more, of why did it happen? You know, were, were people working too many hours? Was there too much stress? Did people not feel that they were given the right support? You know, were there were there dissenting opinions that weren't heard? Was there normalization of deviance that creeped in the system? You know, all those it was a poor communication, all of those things, Gail, I think are critical to to do. And it's easy to just focus on. You know the part A broke. We're going to fix it, and we're going to make it and put it back in. And you're done, but there's more to the story.
1: Yeah, multi-layered. It sounds like yeah, and it, and I would think sometimes the uh, eagerness to find the solution makes people want to jump to to something that would be obvious. But when you peel it back, there are probably multiple reasons. So
0: there are, and some of them are hard to look at because some of them point back to us. You know, one of the one of the accidents after Columbia came back with is as much as the technical cause. For the accident was fifty percent. Half of the problem was us. Was the management? So as much as we looked at the technical causes, that is the cause of the accident and loss of our crew. The accident investigation board told us equally responsible for that is the people, and that hurt us. That that really honestly punched us right in the stomach, figuratively. Of wow, we're just as responsible as that piece of foam that came off the tank or that booster that failed. And they made us look at ourselves, saying, you know, it's we're. We're a big part of that equation. We have to look at ourselves too and be responsible.
1: How do how do people deal with the emotional impact? What do leaders do in that case? Because I'm sure they're um, having a tough time taking that in themselves personally and then probably trying to assure people on their team. So what are what are best practices around dealing with the emotional impact of failure?
0: Yeah, I think um standing up in front, uh taking ownership, taking leadership of the situation is critical. Uh, oftentimes like that, it's a it's a very emotional experience, and it's a very unsure moment for folks. And I think that quick, firm sense of there's a captain at the wheel, there's direction, um, and there's somebody is you're not alone. You can feel alone after an incident like that or a failure. You can feel you know all the human emotion comes out, right? And, you know what does this mean for my job, my team's job, our product line, our our, our success, our future company viability? It could be could be all host of things are through your mind. And when you have a CEO or a leader step in and say, I've got the wheel, we're going to be okay. And take that leadership. So you know somebody's driving the bus, if you will, and and going to be okay. And I've got your back. And, and then set a methodical plan. Um, even if there's not a plan in place exactly what you need to do, but sets up a, we've got this, you know, here's the plan. And then bring the folks in. You know, they're part of the process. So they they get proper communication. Um, often in vacuums where something happens, you know, in the absence of information, you can have uh, you know, things will fill that vacuum. And oh, it might yeah. not be <laughs> it might that not all be time. real. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that yeah. Something? So so when you set that, you know, here's the communication, I'm gonna give you everything we maybe you don't know much. That's okay. I'm gonna give you what we know, and we're gonna keep sharing that with you. So you're up to date as much as I'm up to date, and you're gonna be part of the solution and the problem. And it becomes true that team dynamic then the CEO is not going to only get that, but he's going to get the help from the people. So it's going to, it's going to make their job, I think, much easier. Now you've got the troops on your side uh, and everybody's in the same, on the same marching uh, side of the field together.
1: Yeah, I see a lot in the clients that I work with when they're dealing with difficult situations, projects that have failed, uh, everyday challenges even. Uh, they're trying to find ways to minimize blame and defensiveness and resistance that can often come up. When things go wrong. So, have you seen any specific examples of those kinds of behaviors? And
0: yeah, I, I have. I have. And I think it's, um, I always, I, I kind of jokingly tell my audiences, I, I call it the DNA thing. I said, if we could just fix the DNA, what makes us people, we, we'd have this all figured <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we all have the egos, we all have ego, we all have concerns, we all have a mortgage to pay, we all have what we believe is right and our biases. And you kind of have this big soup <laughs> of all these different things that go into it. And I've seen where, and I myself have caught myself um, going. Well, why did I say that? Why did my first reaction go in this direction? That probably wasn't the best, most effective way. Um, and then I've seen cases Gallo, of leaders that just seem to to push that aside and just not get trapped up in some of those things as as quickly and easily. And say, you know what? Here's here's what happened. Here's the honest, and then have the authenticity. Say, here's what we're going to do. And maybe we don't know what we're going to do. Maybe it's maybe it is scary these moments are scary, right? And maybe it does impact their job or the company's viability or the or the government's mission, whatever it happens to be. And when you admit that, right, as much as you can, um, and you have authenticity, you know, in the other side of the equation, I'll just mention really quickly: is it's also not a, it's also not a panacea. I understand that. Not everybody can forthcoming and say, "Here's all of our dirty laundry." If right? You will, right? We can't just <laughs> just air it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and if I could have just a second to follow on that one, um, I've had CEOs more than one um, that I've spoken to personally that have come and said, "You know, it all sounds good, but you have to realize in our world we can't we can't say all that. We're dealing with different public and different different interfaces, right? And, and as a business model, we can't be as Perhaps as transparent as we would love to be, for different reasons. And I think that's one thing, Gail, that I've never lost one of our responsibilities. And one thing I take a responsibility at NASA, and as part of our Apollo, Challenger, Columbia Lessons Learned program, is you know through through our missteps and our mistakes, I hope to share that with them. So in certain cases where folks can't stand up and say, you know what, here's how we failed, or here's how we made mistakes, hopefully I can share what what NASA's done. Uh, and the missteps we've made, and through that they can say, you know what, that sounds like a mistake that we're about to make or we made, and they can kind of learn. And um, you know, we can kind of bear the brunt on our shoulders, and they can learn through that and say, well, you know what, NASA said they made that mistake, you know, this, in this certain mission, and it sounds like we're what we're doing, we're working on that same path. So you know what, NASA made the change. So you know what, I want to institute that change using us as the example, and they don't have to put their neck on the line, if you will, or they can kind of use us as the the forward face. And I think that helps.
1: Yeah. There's so many lessons to learn from NASA. And, and speaking of which you capture that so well, I heard you speak earlier this year at a convention and was just so impressed with how you capture the story. And so I was Going to get your take on that or suggestions on what leaders might think about when they're trying to capture stories, helping share the learning throughout the organization. Um, you're a master at that. So what are some tips there for or, for organizational leaders that are trying to capture their story?
0: Well, it's something I always try to get better at. So that's my goal is to always try to improve myself and get better at. And I think a couple of things come to mind, Gail, is I think you have to, um, it has to be a conversation. You know, I, I, at least I try when I, when I try to do that. To me, the audience or the people you're talking to, it may be your voice that's heard loud and you don't hear the voices coming back, but but people are talking to you in different ways. Maybe it's the body language, maybe it's different things you get back, but constantly reading your audience, understanding what how they're responding to your message. It's it's not just a transmit mode, right? It's in both ways. Right. Not one way. Exactly right. You know, and Sage, maybe you, people aren't yelling back at you, hopefully, or throwing things at you, right? So you're not getting that type of contact, but but if you if you watch your audience enough um, and you hear some of the reactions, you'll know if you're kind of hitting the right track or not. Uh, I think having the authenticity of what you're speaking on, um, you know, I know myself. You know, if I was to give you a, give a talk on open heart surgery, that's going to be a pretty dicey talk for me, right? So I can go into the book, I can read a bunch of facts, and I can try to regurgitate what I learned. Um, but I think there's a level of familiarity and and truly authenticity that when you speak on what you know. Um, that comes across. People can feel that, and, and so sometimes, um, perhaps there might be good guidance when somebody or CEO wants to speak on something. You know, maybe it's your your second or third line person down that maybe they're the go to person, and maybe that authenticity will come through them because that's their day day job. You know, so I think um, I think when you kind of share some of the messaging with the right people, people recognize if they know it, and then I think the third thing is the. Um, is it the really the caring part of it? You know, people people are really perceptive, right? And, and I learned that more and more. And and when you talk from the heart and you talk with a really sense of caring about your message and the audience that you're talking to, people pick up on that. And, and I've I've you know I've been on both, and hopefully I've I've leaned more one side to that that side of it. But people can tell when somebody's not being is not really caring about the message, and they're just delivering words. You, you hear words, and it's like. Boy, that sounds nice or sounds flowery, but I don't believe it or I don't feel it came from the heart. And, you know, you can tell that and, and people are not going to take that like your earlier question on the cult. People are not going to take that to heart and, and become your foot soldier. And if you're the leader, if they don't feel it from the heart, even if it's bad news, people understand that. But it's got to have that connection, I believe.
1: Yeah. I was just going to add to a comment that you had made too about you know not having the one-way communication. You're not just there to tell a story. One of the approaches that I use in visioning and trying to help organizations go forward, which might be especially relevant to talk about at the beginning of this year, is to hear individual stories so that individuals can share um, in, in an open forum with each other, employees, teammates, what what they've experienced, lessons learned, and carrying that into the future. And that's been a really powerful exercise that has been actually most helpful to leaders because they don't often get to hear employees sharing very personal experiences, business-related or work-related, but they get to know their people so much better and showing that curiosity, uh, being inquisitive about what individuals are going through and what they want to see in their future. So storytelling, I'm, I'm such an advocate of storytelling, um, it just has so many benefits. I just thought I would add that to the conversation.
0: No, definitely. Uh, and, and that's what I endeavor to do in this program is the storytelling. I mean, we we have case studies, we have technical facts and figures and all kinds of things that we share. But to me, really, truly, if you don't share the why, of something happened, you don't connect to it as much, right? You don't connect the heart and the mind with the story. And, and, and perhaps one of the words um, in referencing what you just mentioned is the, the relatability Right. And I and I implore our engineers um, you know, be able to be relatable in our in our leadership when I talk to them. You be relatable, be understandable. Make sure you, you know, you, you can be on different ends of the spectrum. It could be the the new kid on the block over here, and you could be the CEO that's the, the veteran CEO for, for 20 years. So you have different roles and different viewpoints. But if you don't relate to each other all the way through, it's not gonna work, you know, and, and it's and you gotta make efforts to do that. And there's ways to do that. But you gotta I believe have that because otherwise it's just this person up in the A-suite office here and these people on the shop floor and you're almost working two different missions. And, and you know, I look at it as when we launch rockets, you know, the the folks that that do our janitorial services are just as important as the folks that sit with us in the firing room. Everybody's part of that team mission and we should feel connected um to that. Everybody has a role to play. And when there's disconnection, connection, that's where I think where everything diverges, Gal, and it doesn't go well.
1: Yeah, I would agree. You've been sharing so many lessons throughout our conversation, but I was curious to know if there are just one or two kind of standout lessons that would translate well to to leaders in any in industry. You know, lessons that you think might be most valuable based on NASA experience.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, I think one of the key ones is you know it goes back to the, the the adage of know your audience, and by that what I mean is um, if you're a say a, a shop level person right or if you're working on this level and you want to communicate to your CEO or a leader, you have to understand where they're coming from. You have to take the effort to understand that person because I could be working on a circuit board or a black box or some kind of system or component, say for a rocket, right? And then our CEO or our leader administrator, whoever position it happens to be, has to make a decision, go or no go. And I want to explain why I have a concern on the system. That person at that leadership level might not even know what I'm talking about. They might not even know that system exists, to be honest with you, because that's not their job. So I always try to implore to the folks at different levels, know your audience, be able to speak of what you do in such a way you understand that person's job enough. You can understand what the CEO faces, what concerns they have, what pressures they have, what they're really looking for, and communicate in the language that they're going to understand. Then I reverse it and say, hey, okay up at the ceo level, the leadership level, you're not out of the woods yet either, right? You've got a responsibility. So when you communicate your message up at this level, the folks that are different down here that don't go to the same meetings and have the same interactions that you have, you've got to speak in a language in a terminology and in a way that they're going to understand what you're saying. So really and that's so you've got to understand those folks. What are they, what are they facing? What pressures do they have? And address those in a way. So I think you if you understand the audience, you can look up to the CEO level and communicate effectively, and then you can also do it back down. Um, and then perhaps the second one I can mention, Gail, is you know a constant remembering that we're all on the same team. You know and I can see it where you know in our world, I'll use our example. You know we have different disciplines, so we had to say our operations folks, our engineering folks, our safety folks. And you'd hear comments at times, oh, that's just the ops guys trying to you know get to launch countdown. That's all they care about is the clock, right? And the engineering folks, all they're just about the ones and the zeros. Oh, and the safety people, they just want everything perfectly, so we'll never get off the pad. Well, everybody's got their own focus. If we remind ourselves, we all have the same goal. Maybe it's launching a rocket, or maybe it's releasing a product, or maybe it's you know, landing an aircraft safely for, for the passengers, whatever the goal is, it doesn't make a difference. Um, if we remind ourselves, all these people that may be talking different or seem to have divergent opinions or divergent desires, it's not really probably the case. They all want to be successful for the whole organization, but we can see them as, oh, they're trying to, no, no. So if we kind of look at it through their lens and, and understand them, I, I think that helps making those efforts to go do that. Um, yeah.
1: And I like bringing all those groups together, by the way, too. So that there are no no siloed kinds of operations or really trying to to create more integration. Just another thought in terms of what leaders can actively focus on going forward if they feel like there's some um, separation in terms of how people are operating,
0: yeah. and then, like you and also, you know taking the time to go to the shop floor, get it to know the things. It's hard. I mean, it's you know, if you're on certain levels, you, you everybody gets isolated around them, right? If you're working, on the shop floor in a laboratory, or if you're working on a product line or assembly line, you've got your bubble. Well, the CEO's got their bubble too, with their senior staff and all that. And that's how it, that's natural how it works. But it gets out. So that cross changing, I, I love it when you see the folks at different levels getting a chance, even for a few hours or a day, or getting interfacing with leadership, getting a view into their world. So we kind of understand each other. And then when you see the CEO coming down, or walking around the troops, if you will, and talking to them, and, and actually having that frank, honest conversation where you truly care about what you're going to hear back, good or bad, you know, how does it feel? What What, what is your daily concerns? What is it like to be doing your job? Really getting a sense because that CEO is, I think going to make better decisions and it also teaches those other folks, Hey, they care. So it's, it's a win-win.
1: Yeah. Especially when, you know, it would be easy to feel intimidated or wonder like, what is this executive looking for? Or, you know, we need to be careful about what we say, but it, it all goes back to that culture, you know, creating that open culture, where everything's on the table and coming from that spirit of curiosity, wanting to understand and support. Um, That's good. Well, I'm sure there there are many other lessons that we could cover and I'm sensitive to to the time, but I I was just curious to know, since we're at the start of the year, the story that you want to see or tell going forward, because I know you're used to looking back, right. And figuring out where the problems are. So as you look ahead to the new year, you know, what's the story you want to tell or what are you most excited about looking ahead?
0: I'm most excited of, of keep expanding our audience. Um, what I get so excited about Gal is when I talk to folks and we share some of these lessons and we share some of these techniques or tips or stories. Um, when I see that twinkle on the Ryan getting excited about taking that into their own organizations or companies or passing that down from the from the a suite down to their their leadership levels, it gets me excited. And the more I talk to folks, um, and you know, it's, it's interesting. We started this program. Uh, Back in 2016, and we had a focus on the NASA community and then expanded it to the contractor workforce, then the commercial sector. And over 75% of who I interact with now is outside of aerospace. Oh, really? Yes, it's fascinating. It really is, Gal. And I'm talking with the medical community, I'm talking with transportation sectors, I'm talking with commercial business, I'm talking with physical therapists, I'm talking with sports teams. And it sounds kind of crazy, right, to think about that. But what gets me really excited is, you know, if we keep expanding this audience and diversify the audience, how many folks can take advantage and learn from NASA's times they've done it right and times they could have done it better? And it's going to help people. So that really excites me going forward is how do I find other methods to, to expand the reach of our message and to help and collaborate with other folks? So that's what my goal is. Um, going into 2023.
1: Good. Well, hopefully this podcast is helping do that a little bit. Um, and I was just curious to know if people want to reach out to you or learn more about your program. Is there uh, a certain contact or appropriate way to to reach out?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, at the current time, we have a, we actually have a website being built to be released in February. So we're getting close to a so something I'll be sharing that with you soon. But before that, or after that, even um, you're, you're certainly welcome to share my LinkedIn con- um, connection points. So they can certainly reach out via LinkedIn. If they find a way we can help their organization, we can certainly chat about ways. And that might be everything from going and speaking to doing it virtually to just sharing tips, whatever we can do. That's our NASA mission is to help everyone, right? So that's a great way through LinkedIn. And also they can reach out if they want to just call up NASA Public Affairs and reach out and just mention my name and they'll funnel the information to me as well. But, uh, but, But thanks for saying that because we are here to help. And uh, we'd be happy to interact with any folks that think we could do such.
1: Good. That's so awesome and generous. Um, And before we sign off, I just have to ask if there are any final thoughts or tips, suggestions, encouragement that you might have for senior executives that are really trying to apply a lot of what you've talked about today uh, in the new year to make it most successful.
0: Right. You know, and being a CEO is a a tough job right? It's a tough job. (laughs) You've got a lot of responsibility. You've got a lot of people looking at you every single day. And and I think think the thing to remember, remind yourself of is typically, in most cases, just about every single person on that team wants to make you successful, wants to make the organization that you lead successful. Um, and, And I'm sure at times in the CEO position, it can feel lonely. It can feel like, Wow, do they really support me? Do they, you know, I'm going to have to deliver some difficult news? Are they going to come at me with, you know, <laughs> daggers and torches? Or you know, you kind of have that feeling. And and I know in our cases when we've had senior most leaders, and at my level, I try to do this as well. When you truly try to get to know them, and you mentioned earlier, when folks really try to take the time to, I care about you. You know, tell me about your life. What are your concerns? When you know they've got your back, when they know. They truly care about me as a person. I've, I've had CEOs and, and leaders out here that actually know people, but they know the first names of almost everybody. They'll walk through crowds of people and and it takes them two hours because they're shaking hands. And, and how's your wife? They'll mention the wife's name. They'll mention their name. How the kid they know these people. so they've taken the time, Gail, to do that. They've built a bond so strong, so I would just say, work on those bonds as best you can. And those people are going to be the, for you there in spades to help you be the most successful CEO you've ever could imagine being.
1: Good. That's fantastic advice to end on. So um, a worthy mission to do just that. So Mike, I can't thank you enough for helping kickstart the year on such a positive note. I think, again, lessons learned is, is the perfect opportunity to take those lessons and apply them in the best way going forward. So thank you for spending some time to get us thinking and doing.
0: Dale, thank you to you and Audis for taking the time to, to spend some time chatting today about this.
1: Good. And have a happy new year.
0: You as well. Thank you so much and everyone out there.
1: Good. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.